We've got two readings. The first one is from Isaiah chapter 29, beginning at verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder, The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field, and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words on the scroll, and out of the gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And our second reading is from is John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now he he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, 
And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who, who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who, <clears throat> who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him now. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is God's word. Father, we know that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So, Father, please, by your Holy Spirit, give us sight tonight that we might see who Jesus is from the Scriptures. That in John chapter 9, you would show us Jesus more clearly, and by your grace, you would give us sight to see who he is, and that we might worship him tonight. Amen. Well, if you look at John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Light has two effects to what you see. Um, light has two effects to your sight. You either see by it or you're blinded by it. You see or you're blinded. Um, I noticed this particularly the other day. Um, the Church of England had packed me off to rural Kent to get some experience of rural ministry. Um, and so I got to experience what life's like outside of London. Um, and uh, one thing I realized was that when you're in the, um, in the countryside, in the country lanes, at night, it's actually dark. Um, you know, in London, you're never far away from the street light, and even when you know, the sky's black, it's never actually black, it's always quite light. Well, cloudy night, though, in the countryside, it's completely pitch black. You, know, you can't see your, your hand in front of your face. And on Friday night, uh, my wife and I were driving along a country lane, 
and um, you can't see anything at all. You put on the full beams of the car, you can see everything. It's like day. Light gives sight. But if someone's coming the other way, their full beams on. It's actually quite scary. You can't see a thing. You're blinded by the lights. The full beams on. It's uh, very dangerous in a car. You can't see. And in chapter 9, verse 5, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, these are the two things he does. So please look with me at verse 39, the end of the chapter, when he, Jesus explains what it is that he does as the light of the world. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. So Jesus is like light, and light is one of these two things. Light gives sight, or it blinds. So people who admit that they they need Jesus, that without him they are blind, those are the ones who Jesus, as the light of the world, gives spiritual sight to. Those who know that without Jesus they are blind. Or those who think that they're fine without him, um, they're kind of spiritually self-sufficient, I can do it on my own, thank you. Those who can see, who think they can see, this light of the world blinds them. The blind see and the seeing are blinded. That's what Jesus does. That's what it means that he is as the light of the world. Because coming to this bit in John, we're, we're left with a bit of a question. So in context, we've just read four chapters of people who have been unable to spiritually see who Jesus is. Physically, their sight's been fine, but spiritually, they can't see that he is God's Messiah, that he is God himself. They can't see that. So chapter 5, we met a disabled man. He couldn't walk. With just a word from Jesus, he was healed. But the religious leaders who saw it find this claim that he's God's son offensive. So by the end of the chapter, they're not worshipping him. They're looking to kill him. Chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a packed lunch. He then walks on water and declares that he is the bread of life. Um, But what do people do? By the end of the chapter, they're grumbling about him and deserting him. Chapter 7, Jesus gets pretty explicit. He tells everyone that he is from God. And then they move to arrest him. Chapter 8, verse 30, we're told that many believe in him. Alas, finally, the penny's dropping. But by verse 59... People have picked up stones to stone him to death. All that evidence, all that signs, all those teaching, and no one gets it, just begs the question, how can anyone believe? How could anyone believe in Jesus? What does it take? How can anyone believe? It's a question we wonder of our own friends, family members, who aren't yet Christians, who think... How could anyone believe? Just um, yesterday, I was watching some cricket at Lords. I'm sat next to a very nice man. Um, told me he's a, a lawyer, a judge. Um, asked me what I do. Oh, I'm training to be a, a pastor, a vicar. Um, I'm a Christian. He said, "Oh, that's great. Good for you." Of course, uh, I only believe in rational things. Uh, Christianity is the definition of irrational. Those were his words to me. How could anyone believe today? About three weeks ago, I got my hair cut, um, sat down, um, the barber uh, chatting, asked me what I do. Oh, I'm studying to be a, a pastor, I'm a Christian. Um, first thing she said to me, religion starts all wars. 
How can anyone believe today? What would it take? A last wedding I went to um, at the, a dinner, um, sat next to a nice guy, um, uh, chatting away. Uh, tell him, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to be a pastor, actually. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, first thing he says was, um, a science has eradicated all need for religion. There's no future in it. How can anyone believe today? Well, the answer of chapter 9, how can anyone believe? Only by a miracle. Only by a miracle from Jesus. Only by Jesus showing us that without him, we are blind. Only if we are humbled by the light of this world, will we believe. The reason why anyone is a Christian is that Jesus has worked a miracle in them. So chapter 9, uh, we've just had read out by Johnny. Um, to overview of the story, we begin by meeting a man who's been born blind. Jesus does something that's pretty weird. He spits, makes some mud, puts it on his eyes. Uh, he has a wash and he comes out seeing. Wow. Um, but everyone's reaction isn't uh, making a YouTube video of it and celebrating it. Um, but instead, bizarrely, his neighbours don't actually think it's the same guy. They don't think it's the same guy. Um, and then uh, some Pharisees, the religious leaders, get involved. Um, they don't like it. Uh, They ask his parents, his parents kind of chicken out and leave him to it on his own. Pharisees come back again, question him some more. And they don't like what he's saying, what he's believing in. So they chuck him out of the synagogue. Um, He's socially excluded from the kind of centre of public life. And so really for the the main bulk of the story, verses 8 to 34, Jesus isn't even in it, in the narrative. But at the end, verse 35, Jesus finds him. And the man ends up worshipping Jesus. This blind man is the first person to get it for the penny to drop. By a miracle, he can see who Jesus is. And so as we uh, run through the chapter, just be aware of how much irony is going on of the joke that John's trying to tell us. All the way through, those that can physically see with their eyes are spiritually blind to who Jesus is. And the one man who is physically blind is the one man who can spiritually see. And so the rest of our time, we're going to follow these um, two threads that run through the passage about what it really means that Jesus is the light of the world. These two threads. Firstly, the light that gives sight. He's the light that gives sight. Secondly, he's a blinding light. But firstly, Jesus is the light that gives sight. If you have a look at chapter 9, verse 1 with me, please. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Blind from birth, he's never seen with his eyes in his life. Think of an, an ancient society, that means he can't work, um, he's not on um, benefits or anything like that, he is dependent on his family. Uh, very likely, if he's here in the temple, he's a beggar. His quality of life is low. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, oh, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who sinned? What, why is he like this? Verse 3, Jesus says no one did. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus sees no connection between the two. He does not draw that line. But more importantly, verse 3, this happens that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what we're about to see, this is the work of God. This is what the light of the world does. Verse 4, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Uh, If your notes, chapter 13, verse 30, night is the day of the cross when he dies. Verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This light of the world is about to show us what the work of God is. 
And so he does this weird, amazing thing. Verse 6. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Wow. A miracle. Through such a weird way, through spit and mud. Not even laser eye surgery would try that today. With just his spit, Jesus can open the eyes of a man born blind. No one else in the entire Bible ever does this apart from Jesus. Isaiah 29 that Johnny read out for us said that when the Messiah came, when God's son came in power, he would open the eyes of the blind. This is what's happening. So this man, he goes from a phys- on a physical journey from blindness to sight. But in the rest of the chapter, he goes on a spiritual journey from blindness to sight. So trace uh, with me through this passage. Look at verse 11, please. And see what he makes of Jesus. Verse 11. The man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. So he begins off calling Jesus a man. Have a look at verse 17, please. When they turned again to the blind man, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Verse 33. He says this man is from God. Verse 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He believes he's from God. And then verse 38. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. This man now has spiritual sight to see who Jesus is. That he is God's Messiah who is worthy of our worship. It's a miracle. It's a miracle as well that he does it in spite of such persecution. He's kicked out of the synagogue. But he has a, a spiritual miracle that he worships despite such hostility. So that's what the chapter's about. It's a blind man that Jesus gives sight to. And friends, this is a picture of you and I. That this is what we are by nature. You see, by nature we are blinded by sin. We're, we're unable to see who Jesus is. We're unable to see the glory of God. No matter how hard I try, I cannot open my eyes on my own. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, will come up on the projector please. The God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is us by nature. We are this blind man. We are blind. Um, on my uh, placement at this rural parish, I spent some time with a 90-year-old man uh, called David, a um, lovely guy. Uh, sadly, in his old age, he's lost um, use of his sight. He's now completely blind, 0% um, visibility. And he walks around home with a a large stick so he can feel where the door is, where the stairs are, and that kind of thing. Uh, I met him and chatted with him, got to know him. Um, But of course, he couldn't physically see me. Um, He he couldn't describe me to his brother, for example. He couldn't physically see me. And by nature, we can't see Jesus. We can't see what he's like. We can't see him truly. We can't feel his love. We can't taste his goodness. Spiritually, you and I, We are like a man born blind. And so as a result, we live in darkness. 
We live in darkness. Um, my my uh, favourite story from the summer, better than Gareth Southcote's, uh, Southgate's waistcoat, was the story of the 12 Thai boys trapped in the cave. Do people follow that story? Isn't it amazing? Um, 12 Thai boys um, trapped by the flooded cave system, two and a half miles of flooded cave, and there they were, perched on top of a rock, living in darkness. There's no light, no crack in the cave. Utter darkness, ho- helpless, with no way out, no hope on their own. Until the rescue light came forward from the scuba diver. Imagine how that would have felt after hours and hours of darkness, seeing a rescue light pop up from the scuba diver. We live in spiritual darkness. We have no way of creating our own light. We don't have matches in our pocket, spiritually speaking, so we can see. Without God, we are helpless. We live in the darkness of sin with no spiritual hope. Only a future of more darkness. Only a future of the darkness of hell. We live in darkness. We are blind by nature. And Jesus Christ is the one who gives us sight. He works a miracle in us to give us sight, to see who he is. The glory of God. Next bit of 2 Corinthians, please. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. He said that in Genesis, the miracle of creation. The same word, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So the only reason any of us will know that Jesus is God's Messiah and we worship him is because God worked a miracle in you. As miraculous as this blind man with mud in his eyes being able to see. That's our story, spiritually. No one else can do it. He is the Messiah who gives us sight. There is no other way only Jesus. Physically speaking, only he could do this. Who else could take spit and mud and make sights? Only he can do it spiritually for us in his death. On the cross, Jesus died in darkness. The darkness of God's anger at my sin. And he rose again on Easter day in light. The blindness could be taken away and I could see. It's a miracle. Because often I think, um, someone might ask you, why are you a Christian? And I think, well, I'm a Christian because I read this um, book and I had this uh, friend and these questions and I kind of made up my mind and, and it was my own personal decision. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Fundamentally, it was a miracle. Now, yes, of course, God might have used that friend in my life and that book, yes. But here's the bottom line. The only reason why anyone can be a Christian is that God works a miracle to give you spiritual sight just like he did in this blind man. It's humbling, isn't it? It's humbling. Jesus did it all, all to him I owe. I once was blind, but now I see. Just consider for a moment the question, where would you be if Jesus had not opened your eyes? Where would you be, spiritually speaking? I think of um, Pete Snow, I guess uh, many of us will know him. He was the minister here a few months ago. And when we were on um, staff together, he um, eccentrically, but rather funnily, um, celebrated his born-again birthday. Um, he was 15 years old, his born-again birthday, and he brought in a, a cake, I think it was 15, written on it to celebrate. And in the office, we all um, had a slice of cake. And um, yeah, it was lots of fun. And uh, he prayed, and I always remember his prayer, actually. It was interesting. He, prays, he prayed, 15 years ago, I was an arrogant, proud young man, 
Thank you, Jesus, for shattering my pride, showing me my blindness, and giving me faith to see who Jesus is. Where would you be if Jesus hadn't opened your eyes? And this is the basic truth that we never move beyond. We never move beyond. Um, at university, I had a housemate who wasn't a Christian, and I'd come back from church one evening, and he'd asked me um, how it was. I think he's being polite, but I thought, here we go, opportunity here. So I said, it was brilliant. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, why's that? I said, wonderful. We heard a message about how Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I could see who he is and I could know forgiveness. And he said, isn't that a bit basic? Don't you kind of move beyond that? Well, no, we never do. Of course, we go deeper and learn more about it, but we never move beyond it. Without Jesus, I am blind. I have no clue who he is. Only by a miracle do I see who he is and worship him. And the longer we go on in the Christian life, um, the deeper our sense of dependence should grow. The more we feel with thankfulness, if I go on find in my own life, I can just be really struggle with joy as a Christian. Just feel a bit grumpy about it all. Um, but I don't know if you've ever noticed that um, an older Christians that I know, and you know, those who've been Christians for years and years and years in their old age, the ones who are most joyful about life, the most joyful about being Christians, are the ones who've never lost sight of the basic fact that I once was blind, but now I see. Isn't that true? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. So interestingly, this does answer our question about how could anyone believe, really, in this day and age? How would it ever happen, that person I know? How could it ever happen? We'll be confident. Jesus is powerful. He is powerful light. Think of the darkness of the countryside. You put the full beams on. You can see everything. That's what Jesus does when he's the light, as the light of the world. He gives sight. Look how powerful he is tonight. Who else do you know can open the eyes of a man born blind with their spit and mud? Who? Look at yourself if you're a Christian here tonight. He gave you faith. You different? You born any less blind? Look around you. A room, a church full of people Jesus has given sight to. Be confident. Jesus is the same light of the world today who's doing the same work of giving spiritual light, spiritual sight. So our job is to show people the light of the world. So it's great news that um, lots of you are going to do uncover John with people, the gospel's opening them up with people. It's wonderful. He is the light. Our job is to show people <laughs> we're blind. Look at the light. He gives sight. Be confident. Jesus loves to work these miracles. Without Jesus, where would I be? Without Jesus, I am blind. Are you ready to say that this evening? He is the light that gives sight. But this light, to mix my metaphors, is a double-edged sword. Uh, It's a light that gives sight, but at the very same time and in the same way, it is a blinding light. It's blinding. It's our second point here tonight. When I read this chapter, I don't know about you, I find it quite chilling of how coldly people react to this ex-blind man and to Jesus. Do you find that? 
verse 8, chapter 9. Look down with me. So his neighbours, those who have grown up with this blind man all his life, his neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he looks like him. He himself insisted, I am the man. The neighbours don't even think it's him. Is that bizarre? Verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath, talking about Jesus. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. The religious leaders are upset because it was on a Sabbath that he did this. Verse 20. Get your parents and you, if you're a blind man, you think, okay, mum and dad will help me out here. No. Verse 20, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. Check. But how he can see now, or who opens his eye, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. Oh, cheers, mum. Both his mum and his dad put him in it. His parents throw him a hospital pass. And then when he gives him a straight, logical answer, verse 34, the Pharisees reply, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they throw him out. Why do they get so personal? A man who just formerly spent his entire life begging blind. And they're doing this to him. Why? Why do people react so coldly to Jesus and his followers? Well, the answer is, to those who think that they can see without him, Jesus is blinding. He's blinding. Um, I read the uh, story, um, I, I googled it to find the story, a man called Bill Hanlon, who 56 years ago was 13 at school, um, in the day when the uh, solar eclipse came over Europe. Uh, he wanted to see it, um, he'd been told warnings to everyone not to look directly at it, and certainly not to look there for too long. But he ignored the warnings, um, he could do it his own way, thank you, did it his own way. He paid the price of being blinded for the rest of his life. The sun burnt through his retina. And when in 2015 we had another eclipse, sort of, um, he wrote an article in the paper begging people not to make his mistake. He said, people warn you about the danger, but I didn't ever think it could happen to me. So he spent that year, 2015, doing everything he could to beg people not to make his mistake, not to do it your own way, to heed the warning. Because otherwise, you'll end up blind. And to those who think that they can see without Jesus... They'll ignore the warning, do it their own way. They will end up blind. That's what's happened to these Pharisees. That's why they're so cold and so harsh. And they end up blind. You see the irony of what's going on. These these Pharisees, they can physically see with their eyes, but spiritually, clueless. They're blind. Verse 13. They bring to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now you would have thought the evidence of a miraculous healing would be enough. But it's not. Verse 28, they claim, we are disciples of Moses. They've got the Old Testament that they say they believe in. As Johnny read out Isaiah to us. Isaiah promised that when the Messiah comes, what would he do? He'd open the eyes of the blind. That's just happened. But it's not enough for them. And so in verse 24, do you see the kind of dangerous place that they thought themselves into? Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. They have the verdict before they've seen the evidence. 
Do you see what a dangerous position that is to be in? How blind that makes you? Verse 25. He, the blind man, replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. See, the Pharisees, they have all their, um, their logic and doctrine tied up, tied up on it. But they come up with the indisputable fact of a man who's been born blind who can all of a sudden see. But it's not enough. And so as I read this um, part from verse 26 to 34, just spot the, the irony that's going on here, that all these people who can see and are really wise in their day, they're blind to the basic spiritual fact of who Jesus is. But actually, on the other hand, you've got this uneducated man, this blind beggar who's clueless in society, even chucked out of the synagogue. He is the one person who gets it. Verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already. You don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? They threw him out. What's going on? Why are they so cold? Illogical. Verse 39 explains it. Jesus says, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. If they knew that without Jesus they were blind, like the ex-blind man knows, they wouldn't be guilty. But now that they can claim that they can see without Jesus, their guilt remains. They're like that guy, Bill Hanlon, ignoring the warning signs, the evidence before him, and he was blinded by the light of the sun. And they've ended up blind spiritually. They won't accept Jesus. They won't accept they need him. And so they can't see who he is. They're blind. And the chilling danger, friends, is that this is an attitude that lurks inside all of us. We think to us, I'd never be like that. But the attitude lurks inside us. That self-sufficiency. Thinking, I, I can see fine on my own, thank you. I don't need Jesus in this area of my life. The danger is that practice makes perfect. Um, think, for example, as if you learn to drive. Uh, when you first learn to drive, you know, you've got to remember uh, left foot down, clutch, left hand up first gear, a mirror signal maneuver, but don't take your hand off the steering wheel and accelerate it down a bit. You know, but after you've passed your test and you've been driving every day, after a few months, you don't even think about it. Practice makes perfect. You just go. Practice makes perfect. And the danger is that rejecting Jesus, it just gets easier every time until it's so thoughtless that we're completely blind. So where is your conscience aware of being in a habit of sinning that you're justifying to yourself? Be warned. Practice makes perfect. It'll keep on feeling easier. 
if you ignore Jesus on this, if you try to stare down the light of the world, you will end up blind. Don't ignore Jesus on this. Listen to him, heed the warning. So I know there'll be some here tonight who aren't convinced of things. And may I ask, why don't you believe in Jesus? Why won't you? Is it actually because you don't want to change? Is it because you don't want to admit that without him, you are lost and blind and helpless? Are you already in the dangerous position of having the verdict before you've seen the evidence? Bill Hanlon wrote the article in the paper 56 years after he was blinded to say, don't ignore the warning. Take care. This matters. Your sight is important. How much more is your spiritual sight important? Can you see who he is? Without him, you're blind. You need him. Don't ignore the warning. Because if you think you can see without Jesus, you're being blinded by him. And Jesus says, verse 41, if you claim you can see without him, your guilt remains. Jesus is the light of the world, and to some, it's a blinding light. So the light of the world, it's a double-edged sword. It's like full beams on, verse 39. For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Those who think they can spiritually see without Jesus, they're blinded by him. And that's what we're like by nature. By nature, we're blind to who Jesus is and how good he is. We're like those Thai boys in the cave, living in darkness. We can't see. The light of the world, Jesus, he came and he died on the cross in darkness. So that your guilt could be crucified with him and you could know forgiveness. So that you could physically see who he is. So you could see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That is the most important thing in the world. If you're a Christian here tonight, the reason why you think that's true is because Jesus worked a miracle in you. Just like the blind man, he worked a miracle in you. And when we're shown that, when we, by God's grace, are shown who Jesus is, we end up in verse 38, like this man. We say, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. That's why we sing the words amazing grace with guts and meaning when we say, I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We never move beyond this. We never grow out of it. We never graduate from it. We just grow deeper in appreciation of how blind we are and were and how much sight Jesus gives us by his grace. Let's close in prayer. I'll lead us. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace that gives us sight to see who Jesus is. Pray that tonight, by your grace, you would show us this light that we can see Jesus clearly for who he is. That we would deeper worship him. Knowledge of the truth would lead to godliness in our lives today. Thank you so much that Jesus died on the cross, that our guilt will be forgiven. 
and that we could see how wonderful Jesus is and worship him. We praise you so much for that. Amen.